We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Blocks Podcast, the BearCast. We are back here after the UNC game, which happened yesterday. Um, so, yeah, here I am, Rob Huang. I'm here with my co-host, Andy Johnston. How you doing, bud? Doing great. We got a, we got a little beer here ourselves because we are sponsored by the Booth Brewing. Cheers. Follow your fun. Follow Cheers. your fun. Booth Brewing. Oh. The uh, only brewery. That is an Asian craft beer to own and operate a brewery in the U.S. Little known fact. <laughs> Your one booth brewing fact of the day. That's it. I'm going to do one a day for the entire year. <laughs> Don't worry. That, that's, still only, that's still only like 12. <laughs> yeah, it's not that. Many. It's still only 12. Uh, all right. So, got a couple things to get through. Uh, we're going to talk about the Cal game. Uh, but before we get to that... Any uh, top-of-the-line items you wanted to discuss that you saw over college football Saturday? And we ha- we did have a game today. Yeah. So technically Sunday as well. But any anything from opening weekend for you? Did you understand a single thing that Ed Orgeron said in that halftime <laughs> interview? No. No. <laughs> Go Tigers. <laughs> that was awesome. I think um, the, the best part for me about that LSU game was um, did you see how they brought out the uh, quote-unquote turnover towel? Like they were mocking the U for having the chain, and the guy just put a like a Gatorade towel over his buddy <laughs> on the yeah. sideline, just totally, totally mocking that turnover chain. Honestly, watching that game, there were two games that I felt like made me feel better, and it was the UCLA game. Yes, that made me feel a lot better, and then uh, the uh, Miami LSU game, and I. It didn't make me feel better because I was like, this is what an offense should look like. <laughs> and it just made me like, we are at a level of incompetency. Like we were at a level of incompetency that was very scary. And I think that's what the reaction was from a lot of the fans um, on the blogs and, and Twitter and all the Twitter sphere. Uh, but at the, the flip side of it, at least we didn't get like, you know, coming in with a number eight ranking like Miami and just get blown out of the water by an LSU team that was very much a question mark. So, um, hey, I don't know, two sides of the coin every time, I guess. But no top line, top line items for me. I've been focused on Cal 100% of the time. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's how we'll lead into it. A win's a win, right? 
I think that's the that's the first thing we got to start off with is a win's a win. So here we go. Let's start into it. All right. Cal takes on North Carolina to start off the season here in Berkeley uh, Memorial Stadium. Beautiful day, by the way. 1 p.m. kickoff. Can't ask for more. Butterflies, sunshine. Mm, nice, nice little breeze. Um, the sun was already kind of already on the west side of the stadium, too. So there wasn't a lot of, you know, sunlight just like bleeding in left and right. Uh, but anyways, uh, Cal wins 24-17. to 17. Uh, Patrick Laird scores two touchdowns with a three-yard run and also a four-yard pass. Chase Garber's uh, leading the way for the Bears, uh, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, we had all three quarterbacks play. Uh, we'll talk about their stats later. But Patrick Laird was the key of this. Um, 99 yards gained, uh, four yards lost, so netted 95 with one touchdown on 29 carries, um, along with Patrick Laird. Four receptions for 14 yards. Jordan Duncan uh, led the yardage with three receptions for 34 yards. That's pretty much like the the most important stats on the offense. The defensively, Evan Weaver leading the team with 13 total solo tackles. Um, Zeande Johnson with a half tackle for loss. Alex Funches with a half tackle for loss. And Elijah Hicks with a, a, a full tackle for loss. Of course, the interceptions came everywhere. Cam, Cameron Good with a within pick six. Uh, for 38 yards, Ashton Davis with a pick, also Jalen Hawkins with two. Um, so that's his first career multi-interception uh, game. So congrats, Jalen. First for Cal since Washington State. Last year. By? Cameron Bynum, who was yes, who was absolutely amazing. And we're going to talk about him, of course. But who was? Who was? Your overall thoughts of the game first? Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I've had a bunch of different thoughts about this game over the last 24 hours. I think initially and for most of the game, I was very pleased to see the defense take the next step to that next level that we were all expecting. And they were there and they were dominant. Yes. And it was what people would ask me, hey, what are you expecting this game? It was like more of a defensive game than you would expect. A lot of people are going to think it's going to be like last year. And I think Cal's going to be in a different place, especially with our DBs. I was like, I do not think North Carolina is going to be able to pass the ball on us, particularly with the fact that Nathan Elliott was starting. Um, And yeah, that was the case. And it's tough. I think you look at it from the perspective of like, it's an ACC team that should be pretty damn good this year. I mean, seven wins for that squad, probably once they get their players back from suspension. Fedora is a good coach. They're like, Two seasons removed, or I guess technically, if you want, but basically, you know, with Mitch Trubisky, they were a nine-win team that was on the verge of, you know, maybe moving into one of those New Year's bowl games. So, it's a really strong win to start the year. If you look at it just from the perspective of of a win and getting it at home and getting it an opponent that I think we probably would have lost to with Sonny Dyke still in charge. Sorry, Sonny, RIP. But. Uh, he lost, by the way, too, this weekend. Yeah. So. <laughs> the flip side of it was a lot what I tried to cover in the article, which, which is there's one way of looking at it, which is you could be a lot better. Um, the concerning side of it is we didn't really hear that echoed as much with the coaching staff. Like Wilcox definitely touched on it. He's like, good to get a win, good to have a bunch of areas we can improve in. But the problem is there's a difference between improving in areas and then just look looking absolutely inept in areas. And we looked inept on offense, um, even our running game. So I th- 
believe that's the response that you really see in the blog. There's a lot of, you know, whoa, wow, Cal, I'm lowering my season expectation. I'm not doing any of that, but uh, I do think that there is a lot of concern that we had a ton of time in spring ball and camp and seemingly have had no answers at the quarterback position and no separation from any of the three options. So that is my very long, and I apologize for that, uh, intro like, onto my thoughts. I'm happy, I'm excited, and I'm concerned. We're, the first thing is we're both happy that college football is back. We're both happy that Cal football is back. Mm-hmm. It's been a very long offseason mm-hmm. with a lot of news. Um, so it's, it's finally good to get out of that and just see and, and think and talk about what we saw on the field. And, of course, as you just said, there is a lot to talk about of what we just saw on the field. Biggest – I guess I'll, I'll give my little intro spiel is everything I saw in practice over two weeks – out the window <laughs> absolutely useless um it, it was just it was gone i don't know like okay there were some play there were some like <laughs> play <so> sets concerned. <laughs> there were some play sets and stuff that i i saw um a lot of what you see with when vic is in the slot or jeremiah hawkins is in the slot um you see them run like a mini jet sweep out of it so either the the receiver will run in front of their quarterback or behind the quarterback. Um, and that's one of their things just to offset the defense and clear out some space. And the, the guys on the broadcast, and I watched a bit of the um, – I watched a bit of the game on TV when, when I got home or this morning. And, um, yeah, you can definitely see a lot of the movements was based to create space versus naturally creating separation on one in one-on-ones. I don't know if that's – a cause of them seeing that maybe our, our wide receivers aren't as athletic as prior years, or if it's just, Hey, let's do it this way. Cause this is a surefire way of getting, creating space. We'll use that early on in the season until guys, guys get into mid season shape and, and we'll go from there, but we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But for now, I mean, the win's a win. You take W, but Oh my goodness on offense. We have so many questions that need to be answered. And by gosh, this is like I mean, you talked about it when we were sitting in the booth. The second game of the year isn't – I would – okay. I would be all right and be okay with it if our second game of the season was a home game against an, uh, against an FCS school. I wouldn't be as – I wouldn't be as concerned because you can still make that up, right, and, and sort of prepare for that. But the second game you got to prepare for – is going to Utah to play a BYU team that just beat Arizona in Arizona. Right. Um, and they managed to keep Khalil Tate somehow totally wrapped up defensively, who was arguably one of the favorites to win the Heisman this year too. So concerning, very much so. If, they, if they're able to lock down that offense, dude, they can easily lock down the one that we just saw play at Memorial Stadium on Saturday. That was not pretty. So, let's get into it. Should we, you want to, what do you want to talk about first? The, the good, which is, haha, pun, the defense, or the offense? What would you prefer? Are you a good news first guy or a bad news first guy? Let's do the bad news first. <laughs> While we have the beer. <laughs> While we have the beer. Let's do the bad news. All right. Well, let's talk about the offense. We, 
This is the first time that Cal has played three quarterbacks since, drumroll, 2014 against Sacramento State. Jared Goff, Luke Rubenser, and Austin Hinder all played in that 2014 Sacramento State game, which we won, by the way. So, which is which is kind of weird because that win, the reason the, th- the the reason the three of them played wasn't because we dominated. Is we dominated? We yeah. dominated, and and Hinder that got in as a as a hey, cleanup game, sticking around for four years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this was a very different type of situation. This was we had Ross start the game. When was the last time that three Cal quarterbacks played in the second quarter of a football game? I don't know. Um, I think one of the Cal guys told me that it happened also in 1994. That might be it. So there's precedent. There might be precedent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a three QB system. I swear that you have to – there has to be somewhere that's tried to do this. I mean at some point you're just going to toss out the playbook and say let's go back to when N64 was the hottest game system out there and uh, yeah. <laughs> do some old school things. <laughs> what – What? there was a movie that did that um, – I can't remember what it was like a it was like a comedy movie about football, and uh, the, the assistant coach looks over at the coach. Coach, watch the play, and you see the coach on an Xbox with the TV, like fumbling through the plays, and he's like, "Ah, oh, this one." <laughs> <laughs> I gotta find out which movie that was. But anyways, um, yeah. So we had Ross start. Chase or McElwain came in as a. Let's see here. When did McElwain come in? Okay, so. Ross played the entire first quarter. Chase came in in the second quarter. Brandon McElwain also came in in the second quarter. Garbers didn't have a single snap in the in the first. I believe not. The official notes say that Chase Garbers. Oh, I'm I'm mistaken. Yeah. Chase Garbers made his debut in the first quarter. So we okay, had so we had Ross play. Chase played towards like the middle endish of the first, and then um, right after that hit at the beginning that Ross took. Chase came in after that series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so That's why we thought it was injury-related in the box. No, but it wasn't because he came in Correct. on a little bit later. Yeah. And then so McElwain also played in the second quarter, starting yeah. then. Then Ross didn't proceed not to play a single snap in the second half. And yeah. it was all Chase Garbers and Brandon McElwain. Yeah. And to me, that's – it's the most – egregious thought in my head is to have a coach telling us and I love Wilcox I am I, I think I a month ago said I would sign until a lifetime contract I would do I love the guy yeah but this was have, the one to have a coach say that it was the game plan to have all three play like you just like having been around a football team and worked with like a Tedford football team and Fine. Maybe there's a percentage chance that all football teams aren't run, you know, the identical way. But to think of everything that goes into the fall camp and separating and selecting a starter and then saying that my starter, who's an incumbent, who played all of last year and played it against this exact opponent and threw for 300 yards against them, is not going to play in the second half. And that went all according to plan is like... Just ridiculous to me. It's ridiculous. There's no other way of putting it. And I don't think it's factual whatsoever. Um, There's something that it might have been the game plan that they came up with during the game for whatever reason. Uh, But the, the fact that Bowers didn't play a single snap in the second half is just bizarre. Bizarre. 
and I, I thought 100% he would be the one that would come out at halftime. And they would just say, who knows? Or he was hurt. That's what I was at. And he got hit hard. He had his bell rung, wasn't feeling 100%, got spooked, and needed to be. But apparently not. I'm, I just don't know how to rationally explain how we have three quarterbacks playing. I could, I could rationally explain how we, have, how we could have two playing. Like I could, I could see us saying, you know, McIlwain was that aspect of when we played Rubenzer with Goff. It was that like speed aspect of it, run an option with them, so on. But even then, got it got a little weird too, because you put McIlwain out on there, and you're expecting him to run an option, right? Because that that forces the defense to play both to Laird and to McIlwain. But then you have him turn around, and just hand the ball off with a left side run to Laird. <laughs> then what's the use of having McIlwain in there? Because because if if you're saying that he's not going to throw, right? Then what's the what's the one step down to keep him as a threat on the offense? It's to run the option or have him as a run threat. But if he turns around and hands the ball off, Chase Garbers can do that. Ross Bowers can do that. Like, what? What? Why is the why is the play set for him a handoff? I mean, it's just so confusing because. Because there's no option off a handoff, right? Like, of course, we saw the fake handoff, which he ran once to perfection, and it got him a, a handful of yards. But that's a designed thing. That's not letting him read and react to the defense. And that's, I think, his strength, like, just as a runner and, and a dual-threat quarterback. So I understand where, what McElwain's role was, being that, being that change-of-pace guy, coming in, running – you know, they've, they're have they having to play against a pocket passer, and then now you have a running quarterback. How do you adjust on the fly with a defense that's – or with an offense that's going slightly no huddle, right, and still in a little bit of tempo? But then the Ross and Chase thing, I I just don't understand. I So we – so here's here's what it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack a bit. Mm-hmm. We had two weeks of fall camp, okay, that all we were allowed to go to pretty much all of the practices. Then they had two weeks of game prep. So they had last week and they had this week. Right. Throughout all of the two weeks of camp, McElwain, Ross, McElwain and Garbers, uh, sorry, McElwain and Bowers were the two getting the most snaps. Like there were periods where the other three quarterbacks couldn't even get in just because the periods, you know, short or five minute periods yeah, and, they're you know, and, they're, and they're fast and just to get those guys in snaps. That happened over a two-week span, right? So it was clear, you know, for, for most of us that was watching, it's, it's between the two of them. Otherwise, why would you not be giving snaps to the other guys in those said periods? For that to have flipped within two weeks is really weird to me because my understanding of it, and I'm pretty sure you have a better understanding of this, is that game week prep comes down to the walkthroughs, the planning of what their, what their menu plan is against UNC. So that means within – so if that holds true, right, that means within that one week of fall camp and, and game week prep, something something changed, which is – which doesn't seem right to me. I mean like for you to – for something I've had I – don't, I, don't, I, I just can't think of any reason how this happened. But in, in terms of a timeline, that's the only timeline I see where – or like – gap in time that we see where, okay, Garber somehow 
leapfrogged himself into convincing the coaches that it's like it's a it's a toss up between Bowers and Garbers. Was it ever remotely a toss up? Never. Never. So any fastball period, any any type of period that they ran during fall camp, Ross McIlwain, first one's out there. Which is why we always ask Wilcox, like, how, do, what, how did McIlwain do or how did Ross do? Because we didn't have much to go on in terms of Garbers and, and Raul and Forrest because they just did not get the snaps. So <laughs> I'm, it, <laughs> I, we're all utterly confused as to how to explain this. Um, and... I guess what this boils down to is, let me read you the stats, all right? Ross Bowers, 8 of 17, 56 yards, long long pass was 19, sacked twice. Chase Garbers, 7 of 13, 54 yards, one touchdown, long was for 23, two sacks. McElwain throwing, 1 of 2, 9 yards, his long was 9. Who starts for you? Come, come we go to, or do we do, we do this again? Is this is this a three quarterback system until one of them just decides to to take the job by the horns? No, we'd never do it again. <laughs> uh, there's a reason why there aren't three quarterback systems out in college football or anywhere for that. Yeah, or anywhere. <laughs> it's just I absolutely would not do it again, and I'd probably have Bowers come out um, because I actually think that a lot of his issue or was pass protection. And he didn't have more than two seconds. Like, he wasn't able to get through any of his progressions. Yes, he had the rollout where he sprung loose and he missed a receiver high. He missed another throw high. And that's the type of stuff. And Cal fans, like us, like, that's going to ring. A, it's going to hit a chord with us. And it's going to strike the wrong chord because we've seen that. But I would have expected as a coaching staff that you'd have a little bit more, like, patience, I think with some of that play. Um, but to me, just really didn't have an opportunity to be successful. It just felt like we didn't dominate whatsoever on the ground in the run game, uh, in the run protection. We didn't dominate whatsoever with pass protection. The pockets were collapsing really fast. Uh, quarterbacks were looking like they had to run. Chase was in the game and was looking, he, had to, he was a run-first quarterback. And I tweeted, <laughs> it's, like, it's like Bowers was like, hey guys, did you miss me? Hold me, back again. Then it's Garbers who's like, run, 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 run. And then McElwain is like, uh, by the way, I am here and I am fast. So <laughs> it, it just sort of felt like, uh, I don't know. I, so anyways, I would start Bowers. Um, BYU's line is probably not going to be as maybe physically dominant as North Carolina's. Maybe we totally overlooked their defensive line um, and thought, hey, strength of ours versus, you know, uh, maybe a strength of theirs, but strength on strength will win that battle. And we just didn't win it at all. But I'd have to imagine you go with the senior. Um, But yeah, we got no, we got no answers. We didn't get any answers in the game. We didn't get any separation. We didn't get answers from the coaching staff. Uh, The answers that we did get were pretty weird. Uh, So that, I think that's really why I walked, why I walked away from this game just sort of being like, you know, feeling a lot worse about how I felt going into it. Everything that we talked about leading up to this season in terms of, hey, the tight end group is so improved. The backup running backs look great, right? right? We, we can actually give Laird a break. Um, the wide receivers all looks look improved. The biggest 
the biggest concern I had is we saw none of that. We saw – so so here's the thing. We saw the, the, the official notes say these are the guys that participated in their first game at Cal yesterday. Um, out of the freshmen and the newcomers, it was Chagosi, Chris Brown Jr. Um, and freshman-wise, I think it was Joey Banjo. Anusium, I think Chris Brown only played on special teams, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong. Ogun Banjo played offensive, uh, outside linebacker after Good went down for a bit, and he he played and he did pretty well in my opinion. The retro freshmen that played are Chase Garbers, Ben Moose, and I believe Brandon Smith is a retro freshman. So, so tight end wise, we basically played Ray Hudson, Ian Bunting, and I think Kyle Wells. I did see Kyle Wells in there a a bunch of a couple of times. I'm not sure if I saw Reinwald or not, but. Even no, then, Reinwald didn't play. I don't think. Yeah, even then, that's that. And then the bigger question mark is comes at running back. We had Patrick Laird take twenty nine carries. We had Derek Clark come in, I think, for about four or five snaps tops. He got one carry for one yard, uh, and that was was what was most concerning for me. You didn't play a single other running back, like. Your your offense started to stall, right? So you're going towards the run game. You're constantly gonna you're you constantly gave it to Patrick Laird to see if he could you know ignite something for you guys, but they were stuffing him because, let's be honest, Pat doesn't have that outside breakaway speed. Great running back, but he's not like the top you know speed guy that we have out there. Guys like Dancy, who we brought in, of course, along with some of the some of the younger guys. I thought. Um, Chris Brown, of course, is a total power back, but he definitely has some speed to him. And, of course, Biagio, too. Like, we we have those three guys at back, and yet we didn't even, like, think of, hey, go on out there, see what you can do on this handoff play. So like, my only thought on that is why not to do it yeah. is take a Stanford approach and say we're just going to run possession, and we're going to – we're going to play possession really hard and uh, give it to our senior. That's not going to turn the ball over and avoid playing a turnover game and just like be super conservative. And maybe that's, maybe that's why. And rather than putting it in a freshman's hands, that's seeing an offense that's sputtering and it's going to try and do, you know, you know do a freshman deal, like run the other way to try and make a big play and take a huge loss and then throw out the position. It's the only thought in my mind as to why you don't play those guys. But I also wondered, you know, why, our offense seemed to be so vanilla. It just looked really yeah. – there wasn't a lot of movement. It seemed like we just ran the ball directly to – Left or right or whichever where we were stacked. Yeah. No counter yeah. plays, no nothing. Just did, It was – I don't know. It must have been something in the game plan that just went weird. Like they just totally must have miscalculated something. It just – it was a really strange performance from a team that – Comes back with a head coach and offensive, like previous head coach and offensive coordinator that almost got a full like head coaching job at Oregon State. <laughs> this is this. I, let's let's be real here. This is offensively, right? Like, and we don't know. Of course, they lost guys like MJ Stewart on that defense, right? Right, who are amazing. But our offense as a whole is pretty much the same offense that went to North Carolina last year, and yet. <laughs> The play calling looked vanilla. It looked super conservative. 
we tried to do something I, I felt like that was not our strong suit. Like that's what it felt like. It felt like they were trying to say, hey, this is the mentality we're going to try and bring this season. The power offense. Yeah. And we still don't when, have power guys. Yeah. But, but boomer bust, we're going to try and do it to instill it. it you know what? Oh God, people are going to hate me for making this for making this comparison. But it slightly reminds me of early on in the season of Viking Jones last year. It was that hey, I'm going to work coming in. Our mentality is to play a full full court press and set back into two three. We're going to play like Syracuse. We're going to we're going to play like Louisville, right? And even if we lose badly, <laughs> that's what we're going to do. <laughs> Right. Just please tell me we're just, not going to get just for that experience, right? But but that's that's the comparison I'm making. It, it it kind of did feel like that where we're gonna our our game plan is power run and we're gonna continually do that even if we fail. It. I'm a Chargers fan, and the the, the style that we ran reminded me very much of Schottenheimer. <laughs> reminded me very much of Schottenheimer. Marty. Marty Ball. Marty Ball. <laughs> Marty Ball worked, but when it failed, oh, God, did it fail. <laughs> it was bad. That's what it reminded me of. And I was sitting there, and I, you and I both, it was just so boring to watch. <laughs> yeah, it was like, so boring. So, so, I'm, so Terrence made this point, is that uh, I think Hydrotech put it out on Twitter saying that, hey, this kind of, you know, we're going to be a defensive-heavy team that runs a lot and plays possession right. of the ball. I said, kind of reminds me of old Utah teams or Stanford teams. Right. That style. And Terrence goes, as boring as they are, if that gets us double-digit wins, like I'm all for it. But, but that's that's not the point I'm making. What, I, what the point I'm trying to say is that it did feel like that, but we didn't get the the overwhelming sense of wow, this is boring football, but it's effective. Right. That's that's the butt you need in order for this to work. But you didn't get that butt. It was a but we stalled. Right. Because we're getting like <laughs> – But we punted. <laughs> the most amazing thing in doing the recap is you break down UNC's numbers. Yeah. And you're looking at their second half numbers. In like, uh, first quarter, I think they were like sub 50 total yards. Second quarter, they're like barely at 80 or maybe they're over 100. And Nathan Elliott is sitting there with a negative seven passer rating. You're just reading these and you're like, wow, our defense dominated. Pick six to in early in the second quarter by Cam good to score. People in the press box saying just hand the ball back to the North Carolina <laughs> offense so that we can score again. And then you go back and look at it and you're like, wait, Cal punted nearly as much as they did. Yep. <laughs> and uh, that's just you know what I think was lost in it all, as good as the defense looked. And it was kind of like an awe, in awe of the defense. We started to – like not pay as much attention to how really bad our offense was. You look at just the scoring plays. Take out the Cam Good touchdown. Yeah, scores tied. That's what comes. Yeah. That's what comes down to. And their punter. I think their yeah. their punter was actually really important. Um, yeah. Because we stopped them a bunch of times in their zone, and they, he's averaging forty five yards kick, and and then we go three and out. But if he does a thirty yard kick, then we're probably doing four down territory and. Who knows what happens, but yeah, wow, unbelievable. Uh, it's just a weird, 
just a very weird dynamic to kind of have coming out of your first game. I don't think I've ever seen us play worse. Offensively. Offensively. And that Washington game included. I really don't. And the Oregon game last year? No, because we figured it out. And like that. It was a close. That's true. That was more of a defensive thing because we just couldn't handle their third trip. The Washington game, we looked like we got... We got whooped that game, all game. And I still think we looked, we showed better signs of life um, than on offense than what I saw this game. It's just wild. Yeah. Um, Even when we scored, we barely scored. We barely (laughs) scored that touchdown. I mean, we almost just totally blocked. Well, the rushing touchdown pretty much came after the Jalen Hawkins interception. And if it wasn't for that Jordan Duncan pass interference call. Right. Which would have been a touchdown. Which would have been a touchdown. But we, it, but, what we're saying is that if it wasn't for that call, we would we would have been backed up. Yep. Or I mean, we wouldn't have been backed up, but we would we'd be further out than the four yard line, and letting Patrick Laird punch it in. And then his pass catching was on third down after we got stuffed two times on first and second down, and we were just trying the same inside run. It was yep. like inside run, inside run. <laughs> Who is calling this game? We just because uh, their their defensive line is is pretty good. Yeah. And they didn't ha- they didn't lose any of their their really good defensive linemen other than their uh, I think their starting defensive tackle who they lost to injury but suspension wise they didn't everyone played because of that NCAA ruling where they allowed them to I think they had one who was missing yeah but he wasn't as important as the guys uh, as right. Carney and some of those other guys. I don't know if it was Carney who was on suspension but some of those other some of the other guys that should have been suspended but because of the depth issues they NCAA right. allowed them to stretch them out so. Yeah, um, I guess we'll 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 go into the offense and what we what we're expecting of them this coming week in a little bit. But let's move on to the front stuff, which is the defense. Let me let me read you this fun 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 little drive chart. Okay, this is the UNC drive chart the entire game. All right, first possession. I'm just gonna go down the line. First possession, three and out, punt, three and out, punt, three and out, punt, three and out, interception, three and out, punt, three and out, interception. Three and out, punt. Three and out, interception. Three and out, punt. One play and a half. Seven plays, punt. Five plays, field goal. Three plays, interception. Nineteen plays, touchdown. <laughs> dominant. Dominant in the first half. I and mean, dominant for three quarters of the football. Three quarters, yeah. Three quarters, really. I don't know what happened in that fourth, but we'll, we'll talk to that in a little bit. But, I mean, what, what defense... What are your thoughts? Defense was great. Uh, just confirmed a lot of belief. I think that people are going to have a really hard time passing on us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam Bynum in defensive coverage made some plays that were, you know, very early on super impressive. One where he was getting blocked and he basically tackled a guy with one arm yeah. and blew up their play. Uh, and just others where he was in pass coverage and they just. He's, he always is just never that far away from the defender. And I think after watching years and years of, you know, why is our, our guy so far away from that defender? Oh, touchdown. You know, like 90 yards. Okay, great. Uh, it's it's super cool to watch. And he is looks like somebody that's ready to take the next step that I think we were all hoping for. And uh, we were able to get a lot of people into the backfield. You saw the flying hair of Alex Funches, which is like my favorite person to watch. The backfield a ton, um, putting pressure on the quarterback. You know, Nathan Elliott took a couple of big hits after he got rid of the ball. And a couple of those times when he did get rid of the ball, there were interceptions. And so 
uh, attribute some of those interceptions to the fact that there was pressure in his face. The defense is super fun to watch. It's interesting. It's fascinating. It's an element we haven't had. I just continually wonder why we can't have both. <laughs> but anyways, we're leaving the offense side. So that's yeah, fine. that's that's the big thing is defensively, like as you said, watching the stunts, watching you know the the like the what's it the faking the blitz and then dropping back into coverage, then you know having Cam Good rush for like you know five six plays in a row. So they're expecting him to rush again, but no, he drops back into coverage and they throw Nathan Elliott throws right to him because he, he doesn't expect him to be there, you know, dropping back into coverage. Man, it's just – it's so – it's so it, – why is it so black and white? I don't understand. I just don't understand. it. The, the defense called the game perfectly. Yeah. You can't ask for more. The fourth quarter is a totally different <laughs> thing of its own. But for three quarters, my goodness, they shut them down. And they – I. I do feel like maybe a bit of their confidence and swagger bled too far over the line come the fourth quarter and was like, dude, they can't do anything to us. Yeah. We've been doing this for three quarters. Like, come on. Like, like, and they, they played, but they didn't play with the same hunger that they probably played on the first snap. Yep. And I think that's what happened in the fourth quarter. And it just led up because we didn't give up a big play, quote unquote, but they just constantly ate up four yards. Five yards, four yards, three yards. Like, they, and they just they just kept eating it. I think a lot. Of, some of that's pretty intentional. Yep. Which is you're playing prevent defense. Yep. You're just not yeah. wanting the big play. Give up the bigger plays. We're okay with a four yard run because it's running down the clock. Yeah. Um, but then uh, you agree they just weren't finishing. Yeah. Finishing plays off, and then what happens? Yeah. You know, you just give up a, and that was that. And, and it's just not really their fault. No, it, it really isn't. When you have someone that when you give hold an opponent three points over three quarters, the expectation should be that that game when you're going into the fourth quarter and the other opponent has three is probably pretty out of hand um, at that point in time because they have three points. <laughs> so and it's college football. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, it's just hard for me to put too much blame on them. But as Evan Weaver basically admitted, he's like, we all expected kind of the shutout. Yeah. When you're expecting the shutout, it's different than just being focused on executing every play. Every play. Not looking at the scoreboard. Yep. Yeah. So they looked up. Yeah. And when you look up, that generally is what happens. Yeah. I, you articulated it well. You needed that, like, remember the Titans, we blitz all night. <laughs> you don't give them another yard. Like, that's, that's, the, that's the thing we needed in the fourth, right? You needed, you needed that type of, like, what the hell do you think you guys are doing <laughs> giving up that many yards in those yeah. – because the fourth quarter, I, I believe Shannon from from Scout pointed it out to us when we were in the booth. It was we we created eight yards yeah. total offense in the fourth quarter, and they had one hundred eighty nine. Eight yards, eight. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, eight. just really, like Coke, Wilcox just looked like his blood was boiling when that question was asked. He was like that again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you had eight yards of total offense <laughs> in the fourth quarter. What exactly happened? <laughs> Not an answer. Great. Uh, well, that was when he gave us the answer of like we didn't finish plays, and yeah, I think yeah. that's what it came and, and that's exactly what it came down to. Explains defense, but doesn't explain the <laughs> offense. Man. So yeah. yeah, defense was fantastic. I don't know. I mean, I have a ton of faith going into next week. I uh, the Arizona game. Part of me maybe just thinks like this whole thing is totally overblown, and it's early in the season, and 
nobody has their shit figured out. Uh, sorry for the language, but like in their first game, you know, it's just one of those things where you don't know who the real personnel are because you've been playing. That's why Each the other. NFL does these cross practices yeah. and because they want to see, you see so much of the same, you just don't really get to see against an actual team. And then maybe we'll just adjust back for BYU and be totally fine. And even if we lose a toss up game there and the offense looks better, my expectation, you know, is, is going to ride right into that like eight win window that I was seeing preseason. Um, so maybe everything is just totally overblown. It's like first game jitters. Like Miami looked so bad this tonight and, um, you know, UCLA loses Cincinnati and you just, Arizona loses to BYU and Khalil Mack doesn't look like Khalil Mack, uh, sorry, Khalil, Khalil Tate, Tate. doesn't look like Khalil Tate, the Heisman version. Um, and yeah, so, but, uh, it does leave a boatload of questions. The only, sure. the only question now that, so I have two questions about this defense. Inside linebacker was big because we played, you know, um, Garen Brown, of course, medically retired. So we we lost one guy in that depth. And then – so we had Weaver and Kanasich start. I believe the other two that were on there were Colt Doty and uh, Evan Tattersall were the other on – the, on the depth chart. They Those guys were the two behind them. Both of them did not play in the game. At least didn't – so I – yeah. So Evan Tattersall I know for sure didn't play because if he did, he would show up on the notes that said <laughs> that – It's not here. Yeah, and it's – and then the stats, you know, both Doty and Tattersall, of course, did not register anything statistically. So my question is were, we ran with the starters at inside linebacker the entire game. We didn't give them a single break. There's no way we can maintain that type of volume with a defense that plays like this. That's asked to do everything. But it's also not what we did last year. We rotated like we had two deep at yeah. least that we were usually rotating. Yeah. Not like three players. Well, even when Devontae went down, we were still rotating guys in left and right. Yeah. So I I was super confused that we did not play another inside linebacker. I might be wrong here. I might Cole Doty might have played, but I know for a fact that Evan Tattersall didn't play. So that depth chart at middle linebacker just went out the door too. And then now with Cam Bynum, who or not Cam Bynum, Cam Good, who was helped off the field, couldn't put any pressure on his left foot, yeah. got looked at the trainer's table, then got carted off. But it did not we first thought it looked like a knee or a hamstring, but yeah. it wasn't. His entire his entire like foot ankle area was totally wrapped up in ice. Here's my guess. Out of what his injury is? Out for the year. You think he's out for the year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's then let's go on that. We're never going to find out. Yeah. So I might as well just make preposterous. Well, if he if he plays, we'll find out. So we'll, we're only, we're only going to know two things. If he plays, we'll find out if he plays. Yeah. And if he's out for the year, we'll find out that he's out for the year. Right. But we won't. But in anything in between there, we'll never know. We'll never know how long he's out for. We'll just know that he might not play. He he'll he's not playing this week, or you know we'll we'll have it. Or Wilcox's favorite is we'll um you'll see him when you see him. <laughs> So <laughs> you'll see him when you see him. Yeah. So knowing that, <laughs> is that a concern for you going forward with this defense? Because that linebacker area from outside to inside plays such a huge part of this defense. It's not too big of a concern for me. I think it's still next man up mentality. I 
I don't understand why we went so heavy on the starters in the first game of the year. And what, the only thing I can think is some level of a conservative approach. And the same reason why Patrick Laird didn't come out, come out of the game. The same reason why maybe some defensive players didn't come out of the game. Just wanted to keep the guys in that you really felt like weren't going to make the mistake that would give Carolina the opportunity. You know, really, maybe they looked at the offense and were like, nothing's happening there. We can't afford to put a young guy in who might blow an assignment that gives them that 50-yard touchdown that they haven't had all day. And because we're so nervous about our own ability to have one of those plays, um, because our offense is showing zero signs of life, we're just going to keep all the guys in no idea. I mean, fundamentally, management is kind of like, you look at it as a, as a manager of people in an organization. If you had everything that was riding on the line between winning and losing, who would you want in those situations? You're going to put in your veterans. Um, and the people you think have the best shot, and you're not, you're going to ride them. But it's crazy that it's the first game of the year because it's out of conference. And yes, does it matter towards getting a bowl game? Sure, but we shouldn't put that much pressure on ourselves to get to a bowl game. We should be able to be okay with losing an out of conference game and still saying that we can do well in the Pac 12 and get to a bowl game. You know, it's like no reason to go that hard, I don't think. That's it was. Yeah, I think that that was the big confusing part across the offense and the defense, how heavily starter we relied upon. Because my thought process going into this season was, and maybe I'm maybe I read this totally wrong, is with that new NCAA four game rule, I expected us to just to let a lot of guys play early. Maybe in those first two games, or maybe I maybe not the first two, but some combination of UNC and Idaho State or BYU and Idaho State. Letting those young guys play, seeing if they can give you something, and and you go from there because they're allowed to play four games, and they're still con- you can still quote unquote redshirt them. It's not like a, like snap count or anything anymore; it's just straight up games. So that's what I thought. Maybe they're saving their four games for later on in the year, just in case we do get injuries, like you know, um, you know, for a couple weeks, and you need those guys to spell them until the starters get back, and you get to keep those redshirts. I don't know, <laughs> but that that was my mentality coming in. Is I just felt like most coaches were going to use this early on in the year to see what guys can give you, and determine whether some guys are going to sit the whole year or not. Maybe they determined to use these games of eligibility elsewhere. But having your starters play this many snaps and this like physically all game. This was a very physical game, defensively and offensively. And so that was that was the that was just the the huh part for me. All right, well we talked a lot about it. Yeah, um, but let's let's move on. All right, to our weekly awards. Yes, our <sighs> the booth sponsored by the booth. booth. <laughs> <laughs> Follow your fun awards. The offensive MVP for you, Patrick Laird. There's no one else. <laughs> That's joint. That is the offensive MVP of the game. He had both touchdowns. Uh, he had uh, nearly like over 100 yards uh, catching and receiving. Or sorry, catching and rushing. Um, I really don't think there's anyone else you can choose. Maybe Greg Thomas for his first field goal in college, but his second one looked terrible. That also wasn't his fault, though. The uh, O-line crumbled, and it wasn't long. It was a it was a 47-yarder, so you know the angle has to be pretty low. 
Sure. So that was my that was my thought process too. I, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault him for that. It was, if it was a 25 yard sitter and he missed it, shanked it, like yeah, give it to him. But it's close to 50 yards. Okay. Done with that. Yeah. Because it was tipped too. It wasn't. It wasn't that it was. It was like shanked. Yeah. So it was blocked. Yeah. My MVP. I'm gonna give it to Garbers. On the offense. On the offense. I thought we were doing going on layered. <laughs> I'm gonna let you take. Garbers. I'm gonna let you take. I'm gonna take. Let you take Laird. I'm gonna take Garbers. I. So here's here's the reason I'm giving it to Garbers. Redshirt freshman comes in his first game. They're all buddies and everything in there, right? And for for that kid to come in knowing that the starters, right? You know, like he didn't come out due to injury. That's a totally different mentality to going into the game, knowing that the guy that you're being mentored and taught by. You know, is out and you got to fill the space for him. This is a uh, – he's not good enough. He's not performing. So we're going to put you in there and see. And for him to keep his head on straight, did decently well for what he was asked to do. You know, he made some solid passes. He made good reads. I watched some of the tape too. And there was – there were there were definitely some plays where he got a little jittery and he just took off. But there were also a few plays where he sat in the pocket. And he You can clearly see him go – Quick is my first read, middle, second, long, third, nothing there. All right, I'm gone. Like that's you, – you saw his head move and, and make those reads. Mm. So he wasn't just a one read, one read and run guy. That was, that was probably good coaching up until this season and all throughout camp that he, he probably picked up. So I thought I saw some pretty good things from him. And then, of course, he had the one touchdown to Laird, which was a really solid pass. Yeah. And that pass to Jordan Duncan, too. If it wasn't for a P.I., that was a perfectly placed yeah, pass. that was a great ball. Yeah. That's a good pick. So that's why I'm, that's why I'm picking Garbers. I mean, I mean, as we said, the offense was, was total kaput. But at the same time, he did well knowing the circumstances. Who was a bigger recruit out of high school? Bowers or? Garbers? Garbers. He's a four-star, right? Yes. Four star from Corona. Yep. Corona or Corona Del Mar? Corona Del Mar. Corona Del Mar. I love that beach, by the way. There's a there's an old Jewish lady that I used to live next to in Southern California when I come over for the summer, and she ran a sandwich shop in Corona Del Mar. She had the best egg salad sandwiches, and she always had she had roast turkey sandwiches, but were pulled. So they would bake, they would roast turkeys every morning. And they were fully pulled. Wow. On a sandwich. Oh, amazing. I don't know if that place still exists anymore. I don't even remember the name. I just remember the location. But yes, that's one of my memories of Southern California. But continuing on, um, <laughs> defensive MVP. This one's this one's tough. I'm, I'm going to let you go first. Defensive MVP. I don't know. I'll, you want um, me to go first? I have, I have one. Sure. Easy Cam Good. I the guy was unbelievable up until the point where he got, you know, injured. Off the edge, you know, dropping the coverage. That I mean, you people need to rewatch that pick six because the amount of elevation he gets on his like on his jump to pick that off is incredible. He tipped it to himself, right? He tipped him to himself, but he wasn't even square. That was the thing. He wasn't square to the quarterback, jumping straight up with his two hands. Mm-hmm. He was his left shoulder was pointing at the quarterback. Yeah, and so he jumped up sideways and reached 
higher up with his right hand and dropped it and just tapped it down to himself and caught it with his left, planted and just started running with his left. And I, I was, it was incredible to rewatch because we didn't get to see that angle, you know, when we were in the box. Yeah. Whew. And of course, the, the guy off the edge pressured the quarterback so much. So, so much. Yours? Good pick. Um, I think I would go with Jalen Hawkins. Mm. Uh, the two interceptions are obvious, but I think like you could take a look at the safeties and it just generally didn't make a lot of mistakes. No. And uh, they were in the right place and they cracked down. And saved. There are a couple plays there that looked like if you just put it two years ago, um, you know, you would have had one person that ran too far in the wrong direction and then missed the tackle and the person would have broken out for the <laughs> touchdown. Uh, and that just didn't happen. There's just very few mistakes out of that position. Yep. Um, so MVP might just for this game go to the person, like to the unit that I think was the most consistent. And it's definitely like the DBs without this game. All right, you got an unsung hero for this one? Probably Cam Good. I think he won the game. He won the game for us. So uh, he's been sung, but um, I think yeah, he's. There really aren't a lot of options. Yeah. <laughs> so would love to have one that's a little more interesting. Yeah. Uh, but I think like truly if you think about like uh, who won that football game for us, it's that, that play you mentioned it, right? It's the difference between twenty four seventeen and seventeen all. And boy, if it had been seventeen all and they had tied that game up and then potentially covered an onside kick, man. No boy. really unhappy cow fans. Yeah, I think my unsung hero after this was after rewatching the game, is Tevin Paul. Defensive line. Wow. He was a force to be reckoned with. Uh, I think statist- statistically... Just a couple of tackles. Just a couple of tackles. Like, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't much. He had uh, yeah, two solo tackles. That was it. But there were so many plays you see where he busts through the gap, which forced either the running back or the quarterback to shift away from him. And that forced either the sack or the tackle for loss or... You know, like a, a tackle at the line of scrimmage. Like that's that's how that's how much like non-statistical havoc he ran on the D line, and that was I think that was huge. That was a that was a big question for us going in, right? Is where are we going to get that interior push? Yeah, got it from Tevin Paul. Did where was Chris Palmer? I don't know. Um, I haven't checked if he actually played or not, but he's he, not on the sheet. Though. He didn't. Well, defensively, he didn't. Reg, he didn't register any. Stats, but he probably did play. I, he wasn't on the injury report, so yeah. Malik played pretty well. Malik did play well. Yeah. <laughs> not a ton of unsung options. That's no. A good pick. Yeah. Well, that's only because I rewatched the I rewatched some of the some parts of the game. Yeah. You have it, so <laughs> you're going off of always on the box. All right. So if you don't got that, you got a surprise player. You were like, oh wow, he's he was good today, no? No. Were there any surprises? For me? Yeah. For me, it was Rambo. Rambo had a, Rambo played a, a few plays, and I watched him, like, I'd, again, statistically, I don't think he'd... <laughs> God, I have to pull that back again. With a bunch of deep cuts. Yeah. These are Rob's deep, cut, deep cuts. Uh, yeah, he didn't register any, any statistical st- defensive stats, but... Um, he looked to be himself. Yeah, that's the thing. You saw him roaming side to side. There was a, there was one where 
Um, he was on man coverage on the guy in the slot, and you saw him, you know, track him from one side of the field to the next. And that's just positive signs going forward. Is that body wise, it looks like he's at a hundred percent. Yeah. Now, will the football conditioning come into play, and and will he get back into that? I think he will, but I mean that still remains to be seen. And but other than that, I mean, he played. He got snaps. Like this is the first time he's played real football in what close to two years. Yeah. So, yeah, especially after two devastating injuries. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm. I thought. I thought that was the surprise for me. Is that oh, they're they're actually playing him, um, like not in specific situations, but they're actually using him to like spell and then using him in different scenarios. Yeah, it's like great. All right, I'll take my surprise player. Actually, all right, I'll go with Mo Ways. <laughs> One catch for twenty three yards. Yeah, I actually just didn't think he would play all that much as a transfer uh, from Michigan. I. Because he just has no numbers in yeah. Michigan. So I just really wasn't expecting that much. I heard a little bit about camp and, and performing well and potentially having an impact. But it was good to see him out there. He was out there pretty consistently. And he made a nice catch. Yeah, it was a very nice catch. Yeah. All right, last one. Who do you think's your who's your bounce-back player for next week? Got to go QB1. Right? <laughs> Whoever that is. Yeah, I think it's Ross Bowers. So that it, you could easily say the entire offensive line. I think the offensive yeah. line has to – st- it all starts there. The offensive line can't protect it, then forget about it. Offense is just not going to be a thing for us. We're going to have to win the game defensively. So it all starts with the offensive line. So it could take every single one of them there, particularly Addison, uh, for not really calling out a bunch of really good defensive – like the defensive sets. And I just feel like we, we need that level of leadership, and we just didn't have it. Um, so, you know, first game pass, but second game need them. So, uh, yeah, I guess I would change my pick and just say, um, why don't we go with Addison Ooms? All right. My bounce back player, RB2. We need another guy. <laughs> we need – we desperately need another guy. And so here's the question. I don't know whether to say we need another guy to show up because we didn't – they didn't allow any other guys to even get an opportunity to show up. Uh, but we can't have Patrick Laird carrying the ball 29 times a game and catching four times a game. <laughs> like that's that's okay. So that's 33 touches officially. That's not including incomplete passes. That's not including uh, runs that were called back due to you know penalties or so on. So I'm pretty sure his touches were close to like 35, 36. Yeah, you. That's no. <laughs> Yeah, that's a recipe for disaster in terms of just physical endurance. And as much as as Wilcox said that, like you, you kind of have to save Pat from himself because he wants the ball every single play. But it's, I mean, it's a tried and true fact that they're going to get tired because their body's constantly getting beat upon and tackled with the full force of like four defensive linebackers. So. Yeah, we need an RB two. Whether it's another speed guy or whether it's a power guy like Chris Brown or you know someone, someone needs to be able to come in and give a spark where like it gives our offense another weapon to use. And I think we need that to happen, especially against BYU. Yeah, the offense lacks speed. Yeah, in general. Yeah. And we didn't use any of our speed guys. Yeah. Once again, I'm I'm, I'm gonna come. That's what it comes down to for me. Like Nico Remigio. That that dude's fast. That four star wide receiver from Modern Day, he's yeah. quick. Dancy, 
also very fast. Biagio, very fast. None of those guys saw the field. <laughs> like Hawkins, Jeremiah Hawkins is the only one that, that also has that type of like quick speed. Yeah. And he's the only other one that played. And we all expected him to play anyways. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's weird to me that the surprise factor like in this game, you know how usually like these first games we get like some type of surprise factor, right? Like Sonny's first game was the, the, the fake field goal. Yeah. Total surprise. It got everyone hyped. And even in the second year, it was just Luke Rubenzer against yes. Northwestern. Yes, second year it was Luke Rubenzer against Northwestern. Yeah. Last year, Patrick Laird. Right. This year, they decided to go with quarterback as the surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the weird part. We didn't see any other like surprises from any other positions across the team. All right. Well, before we end here, we got a couple questions from our listeners. Because I told them uh, if they messaged us. Um, I would read it on the air, and we would a- we would answer them. I think there's only there's only a couple. Uh, we didn't get that many, but uh, let me grab it. It is right here. All right, first one comes from Anthony Baron, PT and DB- DPT. He's a physical therapist, hmm. according to his Twitter. Who should start at quarterback moving forward? Will they play all three quarterbacks through the season? Oh, boy. No. Well, no, they won't go. Th- okay. Okay. We can't We can't unequivocally say that they won't go three quarterbacks for the rest of the year. I can't guarantee it. <laughs> I can't guarantee it. But we're at like 98% that they won't do it. Yeah. Not um, quite the full George Zimmer, but like almost there. <laughs> so – there's no way we're doing three quarterbacks for the full year. There's a reason why you don't see it in college football. There's, a, a, It's not good development-wise uh, to have three quarterbacks out there, particularly if you're going to do it in the way in which we did, which is like no secure drives. So usually when you see a two-quarterback system, we had a chance to see a little bit of that uh, actually against UNC last year with Nathan Elliott and uh, Brandon Harris. Yep. And so you get to see them take full drives. As quarterback. Oh, no. Last year? Yeah. It was Chasserat and... Sorry, Chasserat. And uh, Brandon, Brandon Harris. Harris. Yeah. Um, so Chasserat and Brandon Harris. Surratt, who is suspended uh, for our game, but yeah. will probably be the starter for UNC. Yeah. Um, anyways, you get to see them taking full drives, not partial drives. Or, you know, we saw a perfect example of why the system doesn't work. Garbers comes into the game in the second half. It's in the third quarter. We're finally starting to see some semblance of an offense. He and some rhythm. Passes rhythm. They bring in Brandon McIlwain for a play that looked like an obvious run play anyways and was a question you posed earlier. Like, why would you bring someone else in to do it? Uh, and then it totally deflated the entire offense. We go three and out. We, I think we had the long field goal. The field goal gets blocked. Um, that's why you don't do it. And then on top of it, rhythm, growth. I mean, there's just a bunch. So I don't think we will. And then on top of it, I think I expect Ross Bowers to be the quarterback going forward. I really do. I, I, and I guess this is me leaning on my sources, but you know, like all I heard out of fall camp was how much he's grown, and uh, everybody from the outside loves the backup quarterback, and it's really easy to want to pick Bowers, but Garbers, you know, damn it, Garbers, late night man. Yeah. Um, so it's really easy to pick Garbers. But it was also 
you know, when I worked with the team, everybody, when Kevin Riley was going through his issues, were, you know, rooting for Bo Sweeney and rooting Brock for Manchin. Brock Mansion. Brock Mansion. Yeah, so Brock. Oh, we want Brock. We want Brock. Well, guess what? Like, I love Brock. He's a super nice dude, but I was in those practices. He's not good at quarterback. Like, and it was very obvious in those practices. And all I would hear is from my friends when I come back, be like, hey, is like, what's the deal with Brock? Is he going to start? No, he's not going to start anytime soon because he's way worse than Kevin Riley. But you don't see that as much on the field. And so you can fall in love with the backup quarterback. And that, boy, would I want Garbers to be great and fine. Take the starting quarterback position. Do not get me wrong. I don't have any, like, ties to, to Ross whatsoever. I just think as an established starter, he's the one that I would like to see the most take back those reins. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. The only, the only asterisk I have to that is I'm not in the world of sports psychology – but just judging from just normal human relations, you just shot his confidence to the ground, in my opinion, mm-hmm. in that game. And you 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 took out the like the the full support factor. I understand the the, the competition aspect of it, but if you're gonna go the competition aspect of it, take him out when he makes a mistake. Don't take him out because he's not doing anything positive. Like he was a net zero, right, Ross? He wasn't a negative. We didn't turn the ball over once this game. Yeah, he didn't, but he didn't do anything positive. Nope. So you let him develop some type of rhythm to get into the positive. Then and then if he goes negative, 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 then you say, "All right, we're gonna let the other guy try something." What's crazy is we left him in that USC game last year when he threw pick after pick after pick. After and we didn't pick. give, and then we give Garbers a shot. No, we gave no one a shot. <laughs> or Forrest. Or Forrest shot. Forrest a shot. And then you have the flip situation. Yeah, I don't know what the hell happened. It just. Def- Continually. So, so that's that's my thought now. Is that so? Here's okay. Here's my here's my conform, con, like just totally, con, what's it? Made up thought about this. Not made up as an imaginary, but but just totally conspiracy theory. <laughs> Late night conspiracy theories. You you did that right? I don't under I don't get how you're going to go back to Bowers because mm. you put Bowers back in there. The first thought, as as mentally strong as that kid is, the first thought is, if I do something wrong, I'm going to be pulled. You can't have a quarterback second-guessing anything he's going to do because of the fact that he might get pulled. And if that – I don't – he might not – no one's going to you know agree on it, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a slight form of the yips. Like everything he – if he does is going to be slightly on edge. And that might not even be consciously. It just might be subconsciously that it, it just affects him that way. Yeah. And so that's why I don't I, – as much as I want Bowers in there, I just don't see how you can go back to him now. Other, other than a situation where Garbers you know, doesn't perform well and you go back to him and say, you are the starter. Take the reins. So McElwain's been a starter before. Yes. And you know he's kind of someone that – if that's the case, I'd probably prefer – for him, yes, uh, because he has that experience in South Carolina and the and being benched at South Carolina too. Yeah. That's my other question about McElwain. Okay, and we're, this is I'll end with this, and then we'll move on to a couple of the other random questions. But is if if McElwain, the only issue with him is that you're putting him as your change of change of pace back, right? Because of the fact that you think he can't throw. Then give him then give him also the opportunity to throw. 
Yeah. Give him the opportunity to show how much he can throw in a game, right? Rather than just keeping him leashed as just a running threat, you know? Like it, it was pretty much a wildcat offense with him in there. It wasn't we he pulled he threw twice, but the the one the one or the two passes were both just RPOs, just like quick pulls and just triggers out to the out to the like a quick bubble screen. To be fair though, that was some of the issues that Ross was really having was I thought like he had RPOs where he was just he didn't make the right reads. Patrick Laird and it was like it was just a terrible read. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't this know. is this is a very big question that needs to be answered by Saturday. <laughs> you know what? Knowing you have talent there. I mean, the, Garbers is a four star. McIlwain was a four star. Former starter. McIlwain was a top fifteen dual threat quarterback in the country. Yeah. If we can't develop those guys, then there'll be more questions about the coaching staff than there will be about the players themselves. Yeah. All right, another one from my best friend, uh, Felipe Lopez. He says, what's the reasoning for the fourth quarter? Tired players, thought we had the game in the bag, lost a good. I think it was that third part, thought we had the game in the bag. I think that's what it came down to, at least defensively. Yeah, I think it's pretty simple. Thought yeah. we had the game one, got overconfident, uh, and then also I think it's a combination of overconfidence in combination with this, the staff actually telling them to give up more plays under because and they're going prevent defense. Because they're going more of a prevent style. And then what you it was it looked a lot more like our bend not break defense of last year in yeah. the fourth quarter. It's all it really did. And yeah, whatever two drives that score fourteen points that take the entire quarter is fine to give up if you can score points. <laughs> <laughs> if we scored a touchdown in that quarter, we wouldn't be even talking about the fourth quarter. We'd be like, yeah, they outgained us a hundred and freaking eighty nine to eight. But we scored the seven that we needed, and they just took all the time on the ground, and get, they took what we gave them. But instead, what we're talking about here is, oh, the game got really close at the end, and we had a play you know, with an onside kick that was really nerve-wracking. Was, oh, oh, woe is me. It's, it's Gal again. You know. Yes, so uh, I think like... I told you in the box. I did tell you in the box. The, at, towards the end of the game, this felt exactly like the UNC game at UNC. Yeah. That's what it felt like. The the last like you know eight minutes or so felt exactly like that UNC game in in North Carolina. Yeah, and the and the game got a lot closer than it had been the entire game. All right, another question from Anthony Baran is uh, after game one and watching the rest of the Pac-12, where do you rank the Bears in the conference? And what are your record projections for the rest of the season after the first game? Projection wise, I think all, both of us agree doesn't change because because it's a win. Because if we had taken the loss, then the projection changes in my opinion. Yeah, because this was a win in my book, yeah, so it's yeah. a win. It's, it's still, it still stays a win. So that doesn't flip any of the win-loss projections. Where we rank in the rest of the conference, that might slightly change. Yeah, drop it down to eight. Yeah, I I had us at like the fifth best team in the conference. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably put us at like seven or eight now. If this offense continues to sputter like this, easily. Hey, heck, if this offense conters, like sputters like this, we're going to drop further than that. We need to score against Pac-12 opponents. <laughs> there's there's no there's just this isn't the Big Ten like or the Big Twelve like there's just absolutely no way we can win without scoring right yeah um, and then we have another question right, anyway, let's let's look at it real quick yeah so what UCLA looks more winnable yes Oregon State looks just as winnable as it always did Washington State doesn't look as winnable as I expected to because that that offense looked pretty dang good yeah I actually expected that game to be pretty hard yeah BYU looks harder yes. 
Uh, Oregon looked good for whatever. Uh, USC looked bad. But then um, also looked good. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> Washington looked mundane. Yeah. Washington looked like the game that you would look at and say, uh, we could win by yeah. kicking a ton of field goals. It's, it's gotten – it's dropped from 100 down to like 80 to me, for me. Like 100% loss down yeah. to like a 80% loss, 20% win. Yeah. They, they don't have the explosiveness on yeah. offense. And Stanford looks harder. Unfortunately, and it kills me to say that. Well, but they're yeah, because we I, when we were watching that game on Friday, dude, the defense looks bad, man. Though I don't care if their defense looks bad. Like if our offense is bad, that's the thing. It's yeah. like and Costello throwing to the receivers that are giants. Yeah, our side white side is huge. It was not what I wanted to yeah. watch, and it was <laughs> it was disappointing. So yeah, I, I think it's six to eight right now. Yeah, it um, still stays six to eight because this game wasn't flipped. Everyone expected us to get this first dub of the season here. Yeah. And that that's why it doesn't change our projections. Once we lose a game we all expected to win, that's where it changes. Or vice versa, too. If we win a game that we were supposed to lose, that changes projections. Yeah. All right. Um, a couple more. Uh, we got – one's a funny one. But uh, we got – his username is uh, mkisco75 at Twitter. On or on Twitter. Garber's passing stats are only slightly better than Bowers, but Garber's adds running ability. Also, Garber's hadn't had much game experience and might improve. Bowers had a whole series season of experience and still isn't very good. Does Garber's running ability plus potential higher ceiling make him the best choice? I mean that if you if you write it like that, yeah, in a in a, in a totally bubble scenario of just looking at those evidences, yes. But it, yeah, but it's fundamentally flawed. Yeah, and, and not that it's a bad question. I actually think it's a really good question. I just think that if you take a smaller subset of data yeah. and then say, is there? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Is there a higher potential in him? And as a four-star recruit and someone that uh, just watch the way he throws the ball, like we talked about this, he spins that thing way better than Bowers. Yeah. But then I would just play devil's advocate super easy on that and be like, does Bowers' game experience over last season make him a better candidate to be the starter going forward? Yes. And you say yes to that question too. So it doesn't really answer anything, but I think absolutely based on those traits, you would want to go with it. But you'd have to see something that was better than what we saw on the field on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to go off of just general base stats, you just just look at what Bowers did last year against UNC and look at what Garbers did against UNC this year. Like... They lost probably their best defensive back in MJ Stewart. Yeah. And Bauer still did that to that team. Yeah. There's the there's the there's the other argument to that question to your Yeah, they had two question. NFL DBs yeah. last year. So they had better better secondary last year. Yeah. But maybe not as good of a line. Yeah. And then our second to last question comes from Dre. Uh, is at A T U T U N D J I. I have no idea. I'm not gonna even attempt to say that. <laughs> Uh, but he says, how do we explain offensive regression with the same personnel in the same system? <laughs> the regression with the same personnel in the same system. No. Uh, how do you explain it? I don't know. <clears throat> you, you can't. I can't. <clears throat> Surprise me. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I just – none of us that were sitting in our row could make sense of what we had watched yesterday. Yeah. Like from an offensive play calling standpoint and like you know personnel moves and stuff – like we, none of us could could make a coherent argument saying this is why they did it. Yeah, super confusing yeah. experience. Yeah. 
And I say that too because like I didn't get to see all the practices in the summer. Yeah. So let me just say like the guys that I was sitting next to who watched all of the practices in the summer who were sitting there being like – we just heard – I don't want to call anyone out by name. But there were people there that were just like, wait, what, who's in now? Like what's what's going on? Like wait, what? <laughs> so uh, – and that wasn't just a first and second quarter thing. That was a third and yeah. fourth quarter thing. Yeah. I mean I said that at the beginning. Everything I had watched for two weeks, out the window. <laughs> that's probably how you explain regression is when you cook up a game plan that just goes totally haywire and it might just be what happened is that they had a game plan they decided to use three quarterbacks because they thought it would be a wrinkle that maybe North Carolina wasn't expecting and it just manifested itself in a really disjointed effort uh, that overly uh, leaned on the run and the offensive line and the run game just wasn't getting it done but no clue last question of course our best friend peter wants to know if he can come on the bear cast obviously obviously <laughs> when Any you're time when you're here for that one game you'll be at this season you can record the bear cast then you can come on skype he could come on skype we could do it over skype um yeah okay can i just ask you this to end what was weirder, seeing three quarterbacks from Cal or seeing that weird formation that Washington State put out yesterday where the entire team is on the left side and the ball is snapped by one guy to the left? <laughs> that, was that was awesome. That was weird. That was epic. I saw that and was kind of like, oh, that's so fun. I, did you not – did you have to do a double take? Because I did double take because I wasn't – I when I watched it, you know, just, you know, just, just casually looking at it, because they were lined up, like the O line was lined up perfectly, and I, I was like, "What are people talking about?" Like, you know, the like the formation looks exactly the same. When I rewound it, that's when I realized there's one guy that's doing like a flag football <laughs> snap below the O line. It was so confusing. What are they doing? That's awesome. Oh my gosh, that's the pirate Mike Leach for you. Mike Leach plays offense the way that I think we play defense, so that's really cool. Well, he plays offense like we do in Madden Create a Play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he tests that out by himself, like just creates a whole bunch of crazy plays and see if it works. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. That wraps it up for us here on the BearCast. Anything coming up for you, Andy, on this week for on the, on the site? Just a preview for BYU offense. Oh, good. Um, I have a bunch of stuff going up this week too, but I don't, I don't know when it'll go up, but it'll be up sometime this week. Of course, the BYU game is this Saturday, 7.15. I believe it's on ESPN. Hey, 7.15? 7.15. Lovely. Um, so, yeah, so two back-to-back nationally broadcast games. How crazy is that? Wait, I thought this was on Pac-12. I believe this is on ESPN. I believe so. But double-check later. Um, you can find all our stuff at Golden Blogs on Twitter. We also just made an Instagram account, so you can find us at Golden Blogs on Instagram. Uh, we do a whole bunch of live and video stuff like on game days and around Berkeley in the stadium. So uh, just join in on that and chat with us uh, pre game and at halftime. And then also – ESPN too. Yeah, I was correct. told you. Um, and also you can find all our stuff at CaliforniaGoldenBlogs.com. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably found us somewhere form anyways. But – on the off chance you have an Android phone, you can now find us on Google Play. So subscribe, like, comment, and do everything. One of the UNC guys mentioned this, and he said, if you comment in in any any of those sites, like on SoundCloud, on on uh, Google Play, or on Apple iTunes, like they will read out your comment for you. Doesn't matter what it says. It could say something bad about you, me, 
the team. It could whatever it is. He's he's willing to read it out. I said that's a pretty fun idea. It's awesome. We'll do that too. You comment. We will read it. We're in. We're in. We will do it. We will read it. So please uh, comment, like, subscribe, do whatever the young millennials do um, for these types of things. And for us, as always, go Bears. Go Bears. (laughs) Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.